with them. And I'm grateful to God for a worship team that worships. I led worship for many years thanks to my dad who made me do it. You know, as a preacher's kid, that is something you've got to learn to be as flexible and willing or you get beat. You might as well learn to be flexible and willing. Save the beating. Dad called me on a Saturday night. And uh, right after I graduated Christ for the Nations, I came home. He said, I need you to lead worship tomorrow. I said, I, I can't do that. He said, well, we'll see you in the morning. I mean, it was pretty much that simple and didn't give me a chance to really talk. Our worship leader had some trouble, so he had to step down. And I walked into a fabulous situation of great musicians, great band, professional band, many members, many of them. And uh, the only thing I'd ever done was played an acoustic guitar in a small group. I'd never led a church band like that, especially of that quality. And I'd like to say it was wonderful from the get-go, but it was a train wreck in the very beginning. And it was, it was work. It was hard. But I learned something about submission, that if you'll submit to those in authority over you, that God will exalt you. God will bring you up, and you'll find capabilities that you didn't have just by submitting and um, I'm grateful to God for, for my parents who taught me that a long time ago, that God works in the earth through authority. And if you get under authority, you will thrive in your life. You will thrive. I am where I am and I am who I am because of, of the authority in my life. Because I chose to get under him and stay under him. And I'm, I'm grateful to God. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Bert, Miss Becky, for having me again this year. I don't know why you keep inviting me back, but I'm grateful. Um, this is, this, is a, <laughs> this is a great, great church, and uh, I, I just pray that God's great blessing would favor would continue to be upon this church in this community. This church is truly a city set on a hill, uh, and uh, there's nothing the gates of hell can do about it, because the gates of the city is here to take over. I love that it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said those words. I will build my church. I, I'm glad to be on the same construction site he is. You know, it's a bummer to find out you've been building something and you realize you're not even on the same construction site Jesus is on. Huh? The best, that's the best, best place to be because whatever he's building cannot and will not fail. But it says the gates of hell will not prevail. That means we're taking this thing all the way to the gates of hell. Huh? Amen. Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the church. You know, the church saved my life. It made me the man I am. And being raised in church all my life, it was very hard to stray because Sunday was coming back around real soon. And when you know church is just Wednesday or Sunday away, it's really hard to get too far away from God. And I'm grateful to God because it really did keep me on the right path. And, uh, and now I live my life owing the church and uh, giving back to it. And, uh, and back to my parents as well, who've taught me the things of God. And uh, I think I'm the luckiest, one of the luckiest people on planet Earth, thanks to my brother and sister, to have the kind of parents I do. I thank God for you, Mom and Dad, raising me and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and training me up in the way I should go. If we can take our Bibles and let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3. While we're turned over there, did you hear about the band uh, called 999 Megabytes? They still haven't gotten a gig. 
This man came to his boss in a hurry, and he said, uh, you've got to give me a raise, sir. I have three companies after me. He said, is that right? What other companies are after you? He said, the, the electric company, the phone company, and the gas company. <laughs> All right, enough of that nonsense. Second Timothy chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 16 tonight from what my dad calls the King Jimmy version, the new King James. All scripture, say all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God that includes you ladies, may be complete, say complete, Complete. thoroughly equipped, say thoroughly equipped, equipped. for every good work, say for every good work, work. that you may be complete, say this, that I may be complete, complete. thoroughly equipped equipped. for every good work. work. I know the theme of this conference is the the secret place. I love Psalm 91. I was going to preach actually out of that but I I felt persuaded to do this instead. Psalm 91, I did a series on it, actually, a four-week series a few years ago called uh, Psalm 91. It's D, letter D, vine. And I had a bunch of D words uh, walking through that that, uh, chapter. It's one of my favorite psalms, actually, next to actually Psalm 23. Um, But Psalm 91 is so probably, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I was thinking about that today. I was meditating on that what that means for us as New Testament believers, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. It's interesting that God doesn't keep secrets. He used to, but he doesn't keep secrets anymore. Paul said there was a secret that was hidden through the ages, a mystery, something hidden in God. But now it's been revealed. And that is Christ in you, Gentiles. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It was locked away, hidden started with a man named Abraham. But later on, God would show us that he would be the father of us all. That wasn't revealed for a long time. I thank God that it was. Aren't you grateful today that it was revealed? And now those things that were hidden, the scripture says that no eye has seen and no ear has heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. And that at one time, that was the case. But Corinthians says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Now he's revealing, revealing. The secret is found in staying in his word. That's the secret place. That's where you know the hidden wisdom of God. You also have a language that God has given you called the language of the spirit. And Paul says, and he who prays in a, in a tongue speaks mysteries. That word means the secrets of God. See, he's hidden all of his secrets in his word, in his son. And now that you're in him, you're complete in him. And if you will give yourself to the word, you'll find yourself complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And these things are contrary to the world. The ways of God are not the ways of man. You know, in a world where people are being driven by opinion, I don't know if you've been on Facebook or Twitter or any of that stuff, there are tons of opinions out there. And unfortunately, many people are being driven by those opinions. 
and rather than seeking godly counsel and wisdom. But the scripture says that the counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plans of his heart to all generations. To know the wisdom of God is to know his word. And tonight I want to just give you some thoughts out of this great scripture that teaches us that all of it is inspired by God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Take us to this, thirst, this first thing that it's profitable for is doctrine. Everybody, it, that means teaching. All right, teaching. Can I give you some T words tonight? I teach homiletics at Christ for the Nation. I can't help it but be a little bit this way. You say teaching. John Wycliffe, who was known as the morning star of the Reformation, he did not believe that God's word should only be reserved for the men of the cloth. So he tirelessly and meticulously translated the scriptures into English so that the common people could read and understand for themselves. So that they would not live their lives upon the words of men and their commentary on scriptures, but upon the scriptures themselves. Wycliffe would translate the Gospels and a few other New Testament books. And his apprentice, a guy by the name of John Purvey or Purvey, however you want to say that, would finish the work of Wycliffe, and he finished both the New Testament and the Old Testament. The, Wycliffe passed away in 1384, and uh, the Catholic Council years later would declare Wycliffe a heretic. And so they burned so many of his works, and not only that, that wasn't enough for them. They actually exhumed his body in 1428 and burned his bones to ashes. And then they dumped them into the the, the swift river. It was later chronicled of Wycliffe, though, listen to this. They burnt his bones to ashes and cast them into the swift, a neighboring brook running hard by. Thus the brook conveyed his ashes into the Avon, the Avon into the Severn, the Severn into the narrow seas, and they into the main ocean. And so the ashes of Wycliffe are symbolic of his doctrine, which is now spread throughout the world. <laughs> you need something more than your senses your experiences and your human reasoning, these things are beneficial, but they're not always certainties. Amen. In the Apostle Paul's epistles, while teaching, while unveiling a revelation, while defending the gospel, while even defending his apostleship, he would often say the words, but what does the scripture say? You know, we need to come to that place every once in a while in our lives where we say those words, but what does the Bible say? What does the scripture say? When I, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to think about this, what does the Bible say about it? What does the scripture say? As it is written, for the scripture says, because it is the final authority. When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he used one tactic for every temptation that was brought to him, and it was to quote the word. It is written. And it wasn't long before the devil left him. And when he was confronted by the Jewish leaders who were opposing him, he told them, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Wow. What a travesty to know the word and never arrive at the knowledge of the word made flesh. It's not our aim, however, to preach the whole Bible, as Dr. Holler taught us yesterday it's all for us but it's not all to us 
So it's not our aim to preach the whole Bible. It's our aim to preach Jesus throughout the whole Bible. That's really the whole purpose of it, to reveal him. It'll teach you everything you want and need to know about life. It'll teach you how to love your wife, how to raise your kids, how to work, how to prosper, how to treat others, how to overcome. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I can remember one day, and I've... Uh, maybe about a year or two after Heather and I got married, that um, the Lord asked me a question out of the blue. He doesn't do this very often. Most of the time, I, he speaks to me through his word. But every once in a while, he'll speak to me on the inside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, and he, he asked me this question that just kind of stunned me of all the times he's going to speak to me which are rarely in in that way he would ask me this question he said Eric why do you speak in tongues I thought why you should know that why do you speak in tongues well um I don't know I just do then he asked again why do you speak in tongues I said, I don't know, Lord. I don't, what are you getting at? I, don't, I, don't, I, I always have. You know, I was raised in a, in a, in a spirit-filled life all my life. And um, I don't even remember the first time I spoke in tongues. That's how long I've been doing it. Some of you might find that hard to believe. How many of you here remember the day you spoke in tongues for the first time? Almost everybody remembers that because it's shocking to your entire system. Right? You mean I'm supposed to just say words that don't make any sense to me? And that's a gift from God? Okay. I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to shut the brain off, right? And, and, and really receive it by faith. And, but, but it's a real gift. It, it's, it's, it's awesome. But I, I don't even remember that first experience. I, I kind of wish I had remembered it, but I said, Lord, I don't know. And I, because I always have. I, and then he said these words to me. That's not a good enough reason. What am I supposed to do? He didn't talk to me anymore. So I assumed I should probably read the Bible. And I did. I did. It's not enough to experience the things of God. You need to know why you experience them. What does the Scripture say? Because sometimes we experience things that are not according to Scripture. And we need to minimize those. And live by the Word. And dwell in that secret place you know um so i did i started a bible study i i I was tempted like so many other times to just pick up the phone call my dad say dad give me the scriptures (laughs) but i i I couldn't do it i said no i'm gonna do this on my own so i just started looking it up the baptism of the spirit speaking in other tongues because the truth is maybe you can attest to this (laughs) if i had friends who found out maybe not maybe not friends but or talking to somebody about our church or something, and, and I'd tell them, they'd say, what kind of church is it? Non-denominational. Oh, is it, y'all speak in tongues there? Yeah, yeah. Do you speak in tongues? Yeah. Do it. I'm not a circus monkey. I'm not going to perform for you. I was always so sheepish about it. So when I, when I did this personal study through the scriptures, I found out where Jesus talked about it. These signs shall follow those who believe. 
In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll take up serpents. They'll, if they drink anything, they will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will speak in new tongues. And when I, I started studying that out, and it literally means uh, um, a language specifically, though, a language not acquired naturally. Amen. So it's not a, something that you can learn in school. This is a language learned by the Spirit. I thought, well, that's powerful. John the Baptist talked about it. I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than I who's coming. The latchet of whose sandal I'm not worthy to unloose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus told the disciples after he rose from the dead, go and wait for the promise of the Father. And they did. And Acts chapter 2 opens up, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. They were doing just like you. Filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's a powerful thing. The word utterance is a long word. I mean, it's a Greek word about this long. It's only there in that one place. That one place. And, it's, and it means not a word of everyday speech. Not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Wow. Isn't that just like God? Not a word of everyday speech. One belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. And this is what it sounds like. Blah, 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 blah. It's the wisdom of God. It's the hidden things of God. So once I figured it out, once I, I did a study in the scriptures, I just waited for somebody to ask me if I spoke in tongues. Heck yeah, I speak in tongues. You want to hear me do it? I mean, I, I just became so bold in it because the word, I got, I got developed in the teaching and the doctrine of speaking in other tongues. See, the word will teach you. It'll teach you. You know, a little at a time on a regular basis makes for a lifetime of blessing. Because not only will you be taught, but you'll find that you'll be ready to teach others as well. Sit aside every day, every day in 2018, a non-negotiable time in the Word. Reading it, hearing it, memorizing it. Let's continue. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine or teaching for reproof. The word reproof literally means testing. Testing. Teaching and testing. Many years ago when the Fiji Islands were first civilized <laughs> there, were, there was great interest uh, to bring commerce to this primitive society and this was a daunting prospect um, considering that the natives had a particularly grievous reputation for brutality yet seeking to take advantage of the opportunity this young merchant visited the islands in hopes of getting in on the ground floor and it just so happened that he visited the home of a certain chief one of the tribes there and he noticed a bible was laid open there in the center of the man's room and the young merchant assumed that some missionaries had brought that by in earlier times but it prompted him to make a comment, he said, what a shame that you have listened to the foolish nonsense of missionaries. The chief was taken aback by this remark. He responded, do you see that large white stone over there? 
That is a stone that just a few years ago, we used it to smash the heads of our victims. Then pointing to the center of the village, he said, do you see that large oven over there? The young merchant gulped and said, yes. He said, that is the oven where just a few years ago we used to bake the bodies of our victims before we feasted on them. He then leaned into the face of this young man and added, had we not listened to what you call the so-called nonsense of the missionaries, I assure you, your head would have been bashed on that rock already and your body would be cooking up for dinner right now. See, the beauty of the word is the evidence of its influence. When you put it to the test, you will find it true time and time and time again. Your truth endures to all generations. One of my favorite quotes about the scriptures is found in a book called Halley's Handbook of the Bible. And he says, the Bible composed of many authors over a period of many centuries, yet one book is in itself the outstanding miracle of the ages, bearing aloft its own evidence of its superhuman origin. Amen. The word of God will teach you. The word of God can be tested and found true. Put it to the test. Declare it. How do you test it? You call those things that be not as though they were. You say what it says, no matter what your circumstances say. If you're sick, the word of God says, you're healed. Let the weak say, I am strong. Huh? Test it, and you'll find it to be true. It is the surest thing that you can hold on to in this world, in this life. And God has given us great assurances so that we may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's go back to verse 16. All scripture, everybody say all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, for testing, for correction. Everybody say turning. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever you read your Bible, maybe you can relate to this. I remember reading the scriptures when I, when I, you know, especially when I was in Bible school, I really wanted to understand. That's really a time you want to know the Bible. That's why you're there. I can remember reading Paul's writings and being so confused and not understanding. And I, and I would pray this. God, help me understand the Bible like my dad knows it. I don't know how he knows it like he does. I should have known because he had his nose in it every day, several hours. I said, God, I want to know this. Help me understand. I know, I know you gave, us, gave me this word. To, to, I, I just, I'm having such a hard time understanding it. Because, you know, you'd read one day in the scripture, and, and you'd read some, I'd read some real encouraging words, and then the next day, my Bible reading would take me down a dark path. And I'd be confused, and I'd feel like I wasn't saved anymore. Yeah, nobody else can understand what I'm talking about, apparently, but, I mean, I would just be confused. I'd be up one day, down the night, sometimes I'd be scared to death to open the thing to read it. I didn't want to see some of the things I wanted to see. You know, like, let, let me just give you, for instance, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 uh, says, um, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. And verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. Then you go two chapters over, two chapters over to chapter 3, and he says something like this, whatever is born of God does not sin. 
And he cannot sin because his seed remains in him. Anybody else confused? Okay, you said if we say we have no sin, we're lying. Then you say we can't sin if we're born of God. Well, I'm born of God, and I found that I can sin. So it's, reading that scripture, you know what I would do? I would assume, well, I must not be saved then. If I can still sin, I must not be saved. That's, that's the kind of turmoil to go through and think, God, what, what, how do I win in this deal if I don't have any understanding? And then just slowing down. My dad taught me, slow down when you read the scriptures. Just slow down. Don't try to read volumes of it. Read passages of scripture and read them out loud and read them slow and just read them over and over again. Read out loud and the lights will start coming on. And you know what? The lights started coming on. The lights started. I stopped just trying to do a checklist of saying I did three chapters today. And that whole thing of getting through the Bible in a year, I'm not against that. I'm not against that. But if you don't have any understanding after the year, if you don't have any better understanding of it, just a, well, I read my Bible this year. Well, what'd you get out of it? Well, I don't know. I don't understand a word I read, but I read it. I got tired of that. I got tired of just that dutiful kind of reading. I wanted to know it. And I found that, you know, my dad, he's pretty wise. You know what he was talking about. And just meditate on it. Read it out loud. All of a sudden, and pray in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, light started coming on. Light started coming on. And something that stood out to me finally was when I, I was looking at those verses. I was trying to compare them. Lord, help, show me this. Show me, show me what you're saying here. Because I know John's not double-minded, and I know he's not a schizophrenic. So help me, what, what is it saying? And then when I got over to chapter 3, and then it said something extraordinary. I finally saw it. Whatever is born of God does not say. Whatever is born of God. Oh, wait a second. Well, this isn't born of God. What part of me is born of God? It's the spirit man. The spirit man can't sin. The flesh, Paul said, I find a law in Romans chapter 7 that evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. I find that in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Anybody been Christian five minutes or longer to know that that's true? Your flesh don't want to be nice. It doesn't want to do spiritual things. Hey, let me, let me just give you a test tonight. If you are having a hard time sleeping, open your Bible. You'll fall right to sleep. It's true. Your flesh just says, no, I can't do spiritual things. You try to pray in the Spirit? <gasps> just knock you right out. Or if you feel like time is flying, fast. Just fast a meal. It'll be the longest day of your life. <laughs> the flesh, it just does not comprehend the things of the Spirit. And they're at war with one another. Hmm. Whoever's born of God cannot sin. Your spirit is completely and totally perfect right now. Isn't that good to know? That one part of you is perfect? Huh? You look in the mirror and you go, <laughs> but you know what? If you'll get that mindset, you can live that way. See, we don't, see, this is, we have a greater reality than living for perfection. We live from perfection. God's not down at the finish line waiting on us to hurry up and get through the process. You ever felt like that? I'm here and God's all the way down there and man, 
he is so far ahead of where I need to be. No, he's with you in the process. He who began the good work will be faithful to complete that work to the day of Jesus Christ. He's with you every step of the way. Huh? But he needs you to realize that if you'll give yourself to the word, it will guide you, it will turn you, it will keep you corrected. Carlos regretted moving that his family up and moved him to Miami, Arizona. For no other reason than the next door neighbor named Bobby. Bobby was a bully. And Bobby beat Carlos up all the time. It was a foot race from school every day. Bobby didn't like Carlos, and Carlos came to understand why, and it was only because he was white. Carlos, although was half Cherokee, the other half was Irish, and so white boy showed up in the skin. But Bobby, there in that Navajo reservation there, did not like him. So every day, as soon as school was out, Carlos would run for the house. And Bobby was chasing after him. And many times Bobby caught Carlos, and when he did, he gave him a good, sound whooping. Well, as they made this run every day from school, they'd run by a little filling station. And there was a man by the name of Jack who owned that gas station, and he watched this happen day after day. And one day, Carlos got a good head start on Bobby. And he's running and Jack sees him running down the road. And Jack makes his way out of the gas station and stands out there in front of him and says, Listen, Carlos, you're going to stop. He said, No, 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 i got to get home. i got a good head start today. I, I, I don't want Bobby to catch up. But he said, Listen to me, boy. Today, your running stops. Today, you're going to face the bully. Today, you're going to fight back. And Carlos was hesitant about this, but Jack kept encouraging him. And the more he encouraged him, the more confidence began to build up in, in young Carlos. And sure enough, as soon as he felt confident and ready to go, here comes Bobby running right at him. Well, Carlos this time didn't wait for Bobby to hit first or to hit him. He did a surprise attack. And I mean, he, he took Bobby to the ground and beat on him and beat on him until he finally heard the words, I give up! And from that day forward, Carlos and Bobby became friends. All the way through school, You've maybe never heard that story about Carlos, but it did something to him. That day that he stopped running, that day that he listened to Jack's wisdom, that day that he faced his bully, it built a new confidence in him. Matter of fact, he became a great fighter. Not only a great fighter, but a world champion fighter. World middleweight karate champion, as a matter of fact. And then later on, he starred in bo movie box office hits. And then he would become known in every household on their TV as the beloved Walker, Texas Ranger. Carlos Ray Norris was his name. Chuck Norris. Don't allow yourself to be governed by anything but the Word of God. Let it continually steer your thoughts, steer your words, and steer your actions you may be or feel justified about your attitude or your behavior, but remember this, God's word will never steer you wrong. 
It will always keep you going the right direction. It will guide you right into peace. It will guide you right into joy, right into healing, into victory, into blessing. It continually offers to you what life can be. Amen. And you can help turn someone's life around by a simple word of correction. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, that is for teaching, for testing, for turning, and for instruction in righteousness, in training. I like that it says instruction in righteousness. You know what that means? It's here to tell you who you are. Huh? He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's who you are now. That's not what you're trying to do or be. It's who you are right now through his blood, through his shed blood. He made you the righteousness of God. I love that exchange that took place. We don't live changed lives. We live exchanged lives. Amen. Amen. He became sin. And what did you become? Righteousness. Righteousness. He became wounded. And what did you become? You became healed. He became a curse and you became blessed. He became poor, and you became rich. He became the Son of Man, so that you could become sons of God. Awaken to righteousness, the scripture says, and sin not. In other words, wake up to who you are. Wake up to who you are. If you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. Amen. We have a little slogan in our church. One of the reasons that while we're here, we are here to help people realize who they are and what they can do through a relationship with Jesus. I have a friend named Matt Viscaino. Quite a name, huh? It's almost, you have to pronounce it like it's a Greek word. Viscaino. He is Hispanic. He is was a banker for several years and uh he was teach he was telling me something because he told me this because he thought i could preach it he said you, I, I think you could preach this i said what is it he said it was part of my training he said it was really interesting he said when when they were training he, he had to he had to learn every aspect of the bank he actually became a loan officer but he had to train tellers and things like that and was uh watch over them and he said one of the things that uh they taught us was to count a lot of money he said, and they would put wads of cash in our hand, and he said, they would just make us count, count money, just go through the bills, go through the bills, go through the bills, go through the bills, over and over and over again. He said it was monotonous. He said, just, and he said I'm thinking, why are, why are we doing this? He said, I'm thinking that they just want us to get fast at this so we could be you know, more expedient in our banking business, or what, what's the point of this? He said, and then I learned something interesting. He said, after doing that for a long time, he said, they hand me another stack of bills, and I'm thinking, all right. He said, and I start counting that money. He said, all of a sudden, one of them didn't feel right in my hand. And he said, they had slipped a counterfeit bill in there. He said, but we had done, gone through the real thing so many times that he said, every time those tellers, those who are trained like that can spot the counterfeit bill. Every time. David said, through your word, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. 
Submit yourself to the training of the scriptures because they'll build you up and they will keep you in truth. They'll strengthen you. They'll give you confidence and a rock steady assurance as you go. Your training will be much more effective, my family, if you'll determine that you will not argue with the word. You know, that's really Christian maturity 101 that we just stop arguing with God. We stop arguing with the spirit, stop arguing with the word and let it be unto us according to his word. Hear it, believe it, and do it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In teaching, learn for you to learn and therefore to teach others. For testing, for you to put it to the test, to see what the word of God can do for you because the word says he watches over his word to perform it for you. Amen. If you'll prove its authentic, authenticity for yourself. Amen. Don't just hear testimonies. You live in a testimony. Amen. And turning that you receive its continual correction. God, the word of God says that God corrects those he loves. Hmm? Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Sometimes it's painful for a moment. Oh man, but it yields the peace, peaceable fruit of righteousness. And then training, submit to its training in righteousness so that you will know who you really are and always walk in his truth.